Hey Gretna, it's Pastor Rob. Great to see you today. We're continuing our series called Fresh Faith as we walk through the book of Malachi. You know, I wanted to remember something, pause to remember. My dad taught me when I was a kid how to shake hands. Shaking hands, I think, is one of those rites of passage. It's, 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 there's an art to it and a skill to it because shaking hands uh, communicates something with somebody about you and about the person you're shaking hands with, right? If somebody offers when they first meet you to shake hands, there's, that's an indication that they're open to a discussion, right? They want to get to know you. If they try to crush your hand, squeeze it to death, <laughs> you know, you know there's, there's something up there. They're trying to tell you something or send you a message. And, and if someone doesn't have a firm grip in the shaking of their hand, you, you kind of wonder, uh, can they make a commitment? Right? Are, are, they, are they really engaged in the conversation you're about to have? And do they understand the message, the social message that that sends? There's something valuable about that, about understanding what a good handshake is, what it, what it feels like, and the message that it conveys. Handshakes have historically been known to convey an agreement or an understanding or even establish a contract, right? Before you were, we had a written document, seems like for everything in our world these days, but before we had written documents, a handshake was what it took. It was an, an understanding that two people were in agreement about goods and services they were going to exchange or about the way they were going to relate to one another or approval of one another. And it's so it has, a, it has a powerful and rich history. Such a simple gesture can have such a, a rich history. Handshakes have commonly been used in, in, over the centuries to convey something more than just a simple agreement or understanding or a contract. Sometimes they can be, they can be indicative of a covenant. Right? Where two, when I was a kid, you remember the, the little rascals where they would spit on each other's hands and then shake each other's hands and it was kind of this, you know, we're making this permanent kind of bond for one another, to watch out for one another, or to, to, to take care of each other. And, and the truth is, it can mean that too in, in real life, not just in, in movies, where you're, you're shaking hands with somebody and maybe patting them on the back and you're like, we're in this, we're in this together. And, and I would call that more than just an agreement or an understanding or a contract. I would call that more like a, like a covenant. I guess is the word I would use. If you become a member here at Gretna, we have what we call a membership covenant. And the covenant is designed to help all of us understand that not only do you, as becoming a member here, have a responsibility to the body of Christ that worships here, but that, that we, as the body of Christ, also have a responsibility to you. It's not really just fulfilling an agreement or gaining an understanding. It's the idea that we are engaging in each other's lives, that now I am your cheerleader, that I am on your side, that I desire for you to grow in wisdom and stature and faith, right? To grow in your understanding and relationship with Jesus Christ, and that by entering that covenant, you hope the same for me. And, and, and it's not just hope, it's that we're willing to do whatever it takes. And that even includes when we fall short, right? When one of us falls short of our responsibilities in pursuing God. Maybe we have a, a lapse in judgment or a sin kind of enters our life. 
If it was just a contract, that contract would be broken by the failure of one of the parties to meet the expectations. That contract is immediately broken. But in the, in the, in the understanding what a covenant is, there's more to it. That, that failure on one party or another in, in it does not mean we simply walk away and move on to the next contract or look for a different service provider or a different, in the case of a church, a different friend or a different member. It actually grows or increases the responsibility of the other members of the party of the, the covenant to step forth and try to help that person heal to help that person come back into a, a good place in that agreement, in that understanding, in that component as part of our church family. It shouldn't be too surprising because we serve a God of covenants. We serve a God that, that says our, un, our agreements with Him aren't just a, a, a mere contract that, could, that either party could step out of or when, when one party, which is never God, it's always people, right? When we fail to meet our end of the bargain, God doesn't just walk away from a contract. What He does is treats it very much as a covenant where He leans in. He leans into His people. He doesn't let go. And He pushes, in some ways, pushes harder to help others come to know Him, to restore that relationship and what it should look like. I don't know if there's a, a version of of how we see covenant, it's, it's more apt, more appropriate than a marriage covenant, right? We talk about the marriage being between one man and one woman and marriage being something, even as we're, we're vowing to each other, another thing that goes with covenants, we're vowing to one another that it's till death do us part, this idea that this isn't just about me, it's about us. It's a we now. A covenant is something that can change the way you function. It changes your thought processes for how you make a decision. It's when I, when I got married, it's no longer just Rob making a decision for Rob. Where do I go? What job do I take? Um, what do I do with my free time? And what do I do with the finances I've been blessed with? It now turns into, well, what do we need? What does my wife need? What do my kids need? And, and it changes. A covenant changes the way we relate to each other and the way we see the world sometimes. It's a powerful, powerful thing. It's no wonder that, that God began with the notion of covenant early on. We see the Abrahamic covenant in, in Genesis 12 and then 15, and then we see it talked about again, this, this idea of, of a connection, a permanent promise that God has made to make his people number among the stars, right, or the, or the grains of, of sand. Even before Abraham, there was Noah, the Noahic covenant, where God promises in Genesis chapter 8, he promises not to ever flood the world again. And as a sign of this covenant, he, he produces the rainbow or creates the rainbow as an indicator so that we can always look back as his people and say, you know what, he's made a promise to us, a permanent covenant with us that he will never destroy the world again by flood. He also did another covenant with, with Moses, the Mosaic covenant. We see it in Exodus 19 and 24 and 31 again. And, and like so many covenants, we see it's sealed in Exodus 24. We see it's sealed by blood, this, this notice that there's a, a sacrifice to be given, right? 
that this is greater than simply a contract that anybody can walk away from. This is a, a blood bond of sorts that, that costs something. When it, when, in the case of a membership covenant, it costs giving up just focused on yourself and being focused on us together, working together. In a marriage covenant, it's the same way, right? There's no exchange of blood, but there is an exchange of vows, a set of promises that, that change the game, that change the way we function. There's a Davidic covenant that God speaks of in 2 Samuel chapters 6 and 7, and again in Psalm 89, also sealed by the blood of a sacrifice. And then and finally, there's the, the Messianic covenant, right? The covenant that God dis- creates by sending His Son, by sacrificing something so dear to Him that by entering this agreement with Him, by becoming His people, by f- following Him and trusting Him as our Savior, we are entering this, this, this permanent, eternal covenant with Him. It's not something that either party can just walk away from or should just walk away from. Covenants are, are not like contracts. Again, they're about giving part of our being, part of who we are, to an agreement and saying, you know what, we're in. We're all into this. And so as, as marriage, you know, is, is, I think, God's most perfect example of what a covenant should look like. I think it comes closest to us understanding what a covenant looks like to him. It shouldn't be surprising that God uses marriage and an illustration of marriage as he speaks through Malachi in our text today to describe what covenant really looks like and what it means. So we're going to look at Malachi chapter 2. This is verses 10 through 16 today. Again, I would encourage you, if you've not read through the book of Malachi, I would encourage you to read through that. It's a short book. Honestly, I would encourage you to read through it every week, once a week while we're, while we're doing this series. Because God's call, this fresh faith we're calling it, this re- renewal of our covenant with Him, this renewal of our understanding of, of who God is, really kind of challenges us. It challenges us to ask, are we giving all of who we are to Him just as He's given all of who He is to us? And I would encourage you to remind yourself of that as that really is the goal of the book of Malachi. I know it's been encouraging to me as I continue to process it and reprocess it and reconsider what God is asking of me as one of His people as He has entered this eternal covenant. So let's read. Malachi 2, verses 10 through 16. It says this, it says, Don't all of us have one Father? Didn't one God create us? Why then do we act treacherously against one another, profaning the covenant of our ancestors? Judah has acted treacherously, and a detestable act has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah has profaned the Lord's sanctuary, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this, whoever he may be, even if he presents an offering to the Lord of armies. This is another thing you do. You are covering the Lord's altar with tears and weeping and groaning because he no longer respects your offerings or receives them gladly from your hands. And you ask why? Because even though the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, you have acted treacherously against her. 
She was your marriage partner and your wife by covenant. Didn't God make them one and give them a portion of spirit? What's, what's, what is the one seeking? Godly offspring. So watch yourselves carefully so that you don't, so that no one acts treacherously against the wife of his youth. There's that wife in marriage again. If he hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord God of Israel, he covers his garment with injustice. And the Lord of armies, therefore, watch, says, watch yourselves carefully and do not act treacherously. You know, the, the image we're conjuring there is that Malachi is writing of is, is distasteful at best, right? And, and, and rude at worst. The idea of, of, the idea of trading in your spouse on the, on, really on the latest model, that kind of idea that you, you married someone because of the beauty that they had in their youth or the, the attraction it was or even the passions that were there. You married them for that reason. And now as the years have gone on, you've kind of decided, uh, maybe it's time to upgrade, right? And that, that should just make your blood boil, right? That should just make you bristle. The idea that we should leave, we should break this eternal covenant, right? Because someone no longer meets the expectations of our youth. Guess what? Um, you know, I don't look the same as I did when I was younger either. <laughs> and I am not in the shape I was in when I was younger either. And to do so, to break that covenant for that reason is indicative of someone who doesn't really understand themselves and isn't applying the same standards to themselves as they're applying to this, this person that they might be leaving. That's, that's, why, that's why he says it. That's why he uses this analogy because our, our understanding, our relationship with God can be much the same way. When we first come to God, we come to God with excitement and passion and we come to him with a sense of commitment and we see the, the blessing that he's been in our life, right? That, he's, that he saves us from our sins. That, that idea that the cross is this wonderful, incredible, powerful thing. But as time goes on, it's really easy to begin to let the cross lose its luster. I know that sounds crazy, but I think we do it. I think human beings take for granted the things that they have. And the people of God here have done the same with him. Yes, he has, remember, if we remember our story, he has delivered them from 70 years of of exile was the term he used in Babylon. He's removed them from the 70 years of exile and he's been with them as they've rebuilt the temple, as they've, they've, they've prayed and accomplished incredible things in his name, right? And they've done all of those things. And when he was delivering them, that was that new time in their relationship, that rekindled relationship. And then they've gotten a little further down the road and no longer do they appreciate what he has done. It kind of is this, you know, what have you done for me lately? Kind of thing. And it, it identifies the difference between understanding what a contract is and what a covenant is. When I was younger, I had a, a close friend who we went to their, her sister's wedding. And I remember talking to the groom the night before the wedding and saying, 
you know, are you excited? Are you ready to get married? And him just lighting up like a Christmas tree, right? Him going, yep, this is the love of my life. I am so ready for this. I am so ready to move forward. And, and, and she has a daughter, so I'm ready to adopt her as my daughter. And I'm ready to, to expand our family and do incredible things. And I'm just so looking forward to the dreams, right? The dreams that are available to us as, as we grow together, right? This vision of us growing old together. And I remember also the day of the wedding talking to the bride-to-be and saying to the bride, you know, are you ready? Are you ready for this? And me expecting the same answer, right? This, this idea of excitement and her, her response, I'll never forget it. Her response was, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, this, this, this seems like this could work right now. But if something happens, if this doesn't work out, you know what, we'll just get a divorce and, and I'll marry the next person that comes along. And, you know, sometimes I, I think we, we do that in our relationship with God. When we, when we come to Him, He is saying, like the parable of, of the prodigal son, right? When we return to Him, He returns. He has arms wide open and joy and he's ready to throw a party and he's like this is going to be incredible and we're going yeah god thanks thanks for giving me what i want now if this doesn't work out later i might have to look into renegotiating the contract this is i got it's so selfish because contracts, when they're all said and done, really are about me. If I'm one of the people in the contract, I'm really asking myself, first and foremost, my highest priority is what's in it for me? What am I getting from this agreement? If it's a, a service contract, you know, even though we, we rarely read them, <laughs> there's a, in London in about 2014, there was a, a company called F-Secure. It's an internet security firm that... Uh, broadcast a high-powered Wi-Fi signal in part of London. And, you know, if you've ever used a guest network anywhere, that's the kind of thing they were doing. They had a guest Wi-Fi network up. And, and as he, you logged in to the, to the guest network, you would, <laughs> you would have to push this button that says you've read the agreement, you've read the, the contract of the agreement. And they stuck way down deep in the pages and pages of these agreements, you know, the ones we always go, just yes, 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 yes. They stuck something in called a Herod Clause. Uh, and, and the Herod Clause is, is essentially <laughs> the idea that by signing up for this Wi-Fi, by agreeing to this contract, I now have your firstborn son. <laughs> I don't think any of us would ever sign such a contract, right? The truth is, we don't always read the fine print of a contract, let alone try to fully immerse ourselves in a covenant. Because remember, a contract isn't something you just, or is something that you can break, but a covenant, a covenant is a permanent, eternal agreement between spouses that aren't affected by the winds of change, right? That aren't affected by aging that aren't affected by the idea that the, the luster is gone. A covenant is something that, that when we enter it, we recognize that it is 
so critical and so much a part of who we are that when we enter it, the mere idea of breaking it is unfathomable. And so, in order for that to succeed, it's no longer about me, it's about we. In the case of Malachi and his people here, it's about their relationship with God. It's about them understanding that they have, by chasing after other gods, little g gods, they're chasing after them and they're saying, yeah, God, you, you were the wife of my youth. You were this, this entity that, that I was so excited to see and enter a contract with. Why? Because you got me what I wanted, right? You got me a new home. You got me returned from exile and you got those things. But now, you know, there are these other gods over here that are offering me other things. They're offering me a better job. They're offering me more food. And we talked about this in week one. It looks kind of shiny and neat over there. It's kind of cool. And God's saying, do you not understand? Do you not understand that I, I have entered a covenant with you? That I have chosen to say that I'm all into this. Remember, this isn't a contract that you just break and, and the parties walk away. God has said, look, I'm in this with you till the and, and beyond, right? I have never left you. I have never forsaken you. I've never walked away from you. I have a right to. He even says that in our scripture today. He says, in verse 12, he says, May the Lord cut off the tents of Jacob, the man who does this, whoever he may be, even if he presents an offering to the Lord of armies. He says, look, I'm within my rights in our covenant to kick you to the curb. Let the Lord do that. I could do that. I could do that in a heartbeat. And yet, he continues to stay with them. And it's really the story of the Old Testament, of the people of God returning to him and in the excitement of their, their youth, their youthful faith, their new faith. They're, they're ready to go and they're passionate about who or their God is and they're ready to go, go, go. But a few years in, they're going, okay. Salvation is pretty cool. Salvation is not. <laughs> For those of us who are blessed to be in a messianic covenant, salvation is not pretty cool. Salvation is the most incredible, amazing, knee-buckling, exciting. I don't know that I could give it enough due. I really don't. I don't think I can. It is all we could ever hope for, all we could ever want. And God, because he's willing to covenant with us, even though he knows we are broken, he knows we are likely to break the covenant. We are likely to fall short of our promises that we make as part of that covenant. He is not willing to let us go. He's not going to walk away from that contract. And so, what does that mean for us? Well, as we're, as we're processing this text, I think we need to understand here that we don't inherently, we don't inherently fully understand the, the depth of what a covenant is. Because the truth is, contracts are a whole lot more convenient. 
contracts are a whole lot more self-centered. And in order to understand the, the very nature and depth of a covenant, we have to get outside of ourselves. We have to stop asking ourselves, what's in it for me? And start recognizing that God has already offered and continues to offer everything. And that we are so fortunate that he hasn't just established a contract. That even if we fail, he's still there. The truth is, if we stick in a contact, a contract thought process, the truth is, if this was just a contract, you know, as a human being, I would probably walk away. I would probably walk away from a contract if I felt like the other parties had failed in their end and feel justified in doing so. But a covenant, a marriage covenant, a covenant with God, those are things that are not walked away from easily and certainly not walked away from by God. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, this week, I would like to encourage you, as I said, to reread the book of Malachi again. I would also encourage you to ask yourself, if you're a member here at Gretna, uh, to print up your membership covenant and, and read through it. Read through it again. If you, if you need to find it, it is, it is, you can find it on our, on our um, website. There's a link to it under membership under next steps. You can find it uh, in our church management system. If you want to log in to our directory area, you can find that there too. We keep documents like that. I would encourage you to, to re-read it and understand, try to understand, try to grasp what God has called us to here. If you're not a member at Gretna or, or really this is about your relationship, your covenant with God, I would encourage you this week to sit down and work through the promises that God has made, the places where he has shown up, the times that he has been bigger than you could possibly imagine, the opportunities that he has given, the light that he has shined in your life. Try to remember that the God of the universe, the gravity of this, the God of the universe, the creator, the one creator, the one father of all life, as David says in Psalm 8, it says, Who am I? Who am I, Lord, that the God of the universe would care for me? Remind ourselves this week who our God is and just how grave a sacrifice he has made to establish our covenant with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Remind ourselves every day of the things that he has done. Do that this week. Write it down. Make a journal. Remind yourself of the sacrifices that God has made for your life to maintain the covenant even when maybe you or I have failed at our end of the bargain. And take a moment to thank Him each day this week. Take a moment to thank Him for that covenant. Thank Him for that faithfulness. Thank Him that our one Creator and one Father would watch out for us even though we don't always hold up our end of the bargain. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he grant you favor. And may he give you peace. Blessings.